welcome to Forever Canon, the podcast where we talk about our favorite Star Wars books and what to do about shape changers and Sith and semi-sentient horse slaves. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. And this week on Forever Canon, we're going to cover chapters 5 through 8 of Fate of the Jedi, book 6, Vortex by Troy Denning. Chapters in which we burn another 70-something pages through this book, so which is pages. like normally, maybe we talked about this last week, but normally we balance it around like 40-something pages a week, mm-hmm. 45, 50, if it's crazy. Yeah. Last two episodes, last two episodes have been 70 pages each and we're like, we're 150-ish, 140-something pages of the book already, man. Yeah. Two episodes in. But first, bum, bum, bum. Previously, on Forever Canon, Jaina and Lando are droid-botically sabotaged. Vistara lets Ben live in the med bay. Ben lets Vistara live on the cliff. And Abelot's body is uncovered as Dion's dad. But this week, we start with chapter five. Hey, remember this? There's Mando's at the temple. Mm Mm-hmm. In case we didn't talk about it enough last week, remember, remember, remember all the things that are going on right up to this point. There's Mandos at the temple, and apparently Han and Leia have brought Alana here to the dangerous standoff. When we left them in the last book, they were having cookies and milk, watching the news, sending rats with medicine on their backs. Yeah. I because thought... you couldn't get in. Yeah, there was no way the blockade <laughs> of the siege. They're there. And they brought the child. Yeah. Not Grogu. They brought the six-year-old Alana. Spoilers and sorry for anybody who didn't know. But responsible parents. And they're keeping them with keeping her with them. Yeah, they shouldn't be there. Why are they there? Or I guess the question we were asking last book is why aren't they there already? Because they're supposed to be like the official negotiators, spokespeople on behalf of Dala, right? Maybe that's why they were allowed in. Maybe that's why they were allowed in. Not said. Yes. In the text. But nonetheless, they're there. Somehow. Even though, like I said, last time we had to sneak rats in. (laughs) Here, Here they are. And it's a tense scene. The masters are arguing. Everybody's hating on Hamner. Fractures all over the Jedi Order. Too much pressure. Mm Mm-hmm. Too many things to do and no way to do any of them right now. Yeah, they're all trapped. Yeah. Han and Dala meet on the front steps of the Jedi Temple. Remember? He's a negotiator. Yeah. He's maybe been enlisted back into official Galactic Alliance military on behalf of Karelia or not. If he's retired, I don't know. But he's out here in the middle of the plaza at the bottom of the steps meeting with Dala outside the Jedi Temple Surrounded by dozens or hundreds of hollow news cams. And every time Han's in the book, in any of these books, I love it. He's such a smart ass. He's he's just, he's Han. Yeah, he's always exactly what you want him to be. And then in the moments where he surprises you, he's being even better than you want him to be. Because he's usually actually being a good person in the times when he surprises you. Right? Yeah. You know, that's great. But you're right, man. Han Solo is written really well in this chapter. He's a smart mouth and he's thinking all the things he's not saying out loud type of thing. Right. Yeah. He's in this uh, professional situation. 
out on the front steps of the Jedi Temple, Dalla thinks she's here to collect crazy Jedi. Because that's what she was told. We're ready to surrender the crazy Jedi. Mm -hmm. But really, there are no more crazy Jedi. Are there, Tim? (laughs) They got her. And it's a trap. (laughs) Once again, the Jedi embarrass Dalla on the live television so hard integral in interplanetary news mm-hmm. uh, intragalactic yes yeah they destroy they she, she embarrasses herself on the news again yeah is really what it is you know back at the prison or whatever it was where Jaina was there stirring up trouble and then they found the horn kids hanging on the wall and it was a whole publicity disaster and a media relations mm-hmm. failure here we are again cameras swirling around han and dalla exchanging veiled barbs <laughs> through the guise of negotiation, but she's here to pick up crazy Jedi, but they're not crazy anymore. Luckily, she brought her own doctor to <laughs> yeah. evaluate the crazy Jedi, and he tests the Jedi's recovery. He walks up the steps, Jedi, so Thea Sar and someone else standing there, hands up, and he says, why do you have your hands up? And they're like, because we're going to get killed if we don't probably. Yeah, we He's don't like, want to. Wow, that's reasonable. Now, put your hands down. And then he knees the Jedi <laughs> right in the nuts. <laughs> yeah. Science. <laughs> that was bonkers and really was, I don't know. That was so weirdly foolish. It's so like juvenile to even put it in the book. Yeah, it was super weird, but also... It it definitely got the point across. He knees him in the junk, and he's like, well, I'm alive, therefore, you are sane. Because <laughs> you can control yourself, I guess. Yeah. Right? And then it like goes into this like offhand explanation about how if you're gonna... If, you're, if you are Dalla's doctor that she's brought here to side with her, and you're gonna have to side against her, get yourself all of the public media uh celebrity type of capital that you can gain yeah to protect yourself and surround yourself with so so how do you get famous you need a jedi in the nuts <laughs> on the news yeah <laughs> uh, as a scientific examination so that happened the jedi are deemed not crazy once again like i said science so Han and Dalla's stairway standoff ends with her, once again, thoroughly embarrassed on live TV by the Jedi and walking away with nothing, calling off the Mandalorian siege. Mm -hmm. She leaves with no crazies. She leaves with the Mandos, but she refuses to give up Valen and Gisela Horn who are frozen in carbonite as a decoration in someone's office. I was so mad. I was really mad at that. You were mad. (laughs) They've been frozen since like book one or two. And wait until we get to the Jedi Master meeting coming up. Because you, the reader, were mad. Yeah, I was so mad. How many characters would be furious about this? Han Solo himself is like, you know, biting his lip or keeping his hand from his holster type of thing. Yeah. She will not give back the horns because they might be crazy. So this war 
is not over yet. Yeah, she doesn't understand how they were cured, and she won't give them up until she does. And that doesn't just... That doesn't bode well for anything. What's that timeline? Yeah. The answer is I'm not giving them back. That's right. That's pretty pretty much it, yeah. But all of this and... All this tension and all of this tug of war and public embarrassment and misstepping, all without any mention uh, by Dalla of what we saw in the last book was Admiral Nekbuatu's murder. Mm-hmm. Her boyfriend got murdered by two Jedi, and she's just over here at the temple like, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised it's not burning to the ground, but we'll get to that <laughs> later. Chapter 6. Kent Hamner thinks, I should not be the Grandmaster. <laughs> <laughs> this was a poor choice. Big mistake. Correct. That's right. <laughs> All the Masters are gathered. Even Cam and Tion Solusar, whom I thought were pretty brutally murdered slash dismembered in Legacy of the Force. They were definitely dismembered. They uh, Tion for sure. got legs shot off at point blank and hands and whatever. But, you know, they're Jedi with magic Jedi healing friends. And so... Also a world of robotic replacements. They're Skyping into the Jedi Master meeting. <laughs> yeah. They're not dead. Because they're wherever they are. Yeah, whatever planet that was that they're running that thing that they shouldn't be there anymore. They better be somewhere else. Yep. You know, yeah. You know, I mean, you got found there and tortured in the middle of the courtyard. So, maybe move. <laughs> but everybody's here for the Jedi Master meeting. Also a new master who yes. I care a lot about. <laughs> I'm like, you sound like fodder. Yes. <laughs> you sound like you're being introduced to be taken away. Master Baratko. Yep. A Yuzum. A former slave, Tim. And since you're shaking your head at me when I said Yuzum, I am going to show you what they look like because, of course, I had to look it up. It's very strange. She's like a gigantic bear werewolf beast. Okay. Thicker than a snicker. <laughs> and that's a big one. Yeah, it's like a, a were saber tooth tiger looking thing. It's a London X Polyclips werebear, bro. Yeah. She big. <laughs> but she's the new master. Former slave, because slavery's a whole thing throughout mm-hmm. this whole uh, series. OPS. We're told Admiral Boatu, through Kent's thoughts, Admiral Boatu is not dead. He's alive. He's in a coma and really fucking up the program here because <laughs> Kent the Hammer is trying to get shit done. But his only resource is the man who turned on Dala and has turned to the Jedi in betrayal of her has now been framed as a... Attack victim of Jedi? He's not dead. Yeah. And also leader leader of Freedom Flight? Definitely. High up. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I think definitely. Hey, he's he's definitely got a lot of fingers and lots of pies going on. Yeah, he's on got here. A, what do they call that? A lot of irons in the fire. Yes. Or whatever euphemism you'd like to choose. A lot of cooks in the kitchen. But he's in a coma in the bedroom. So not a lot getting done in the kitchen, really screwing Kent Hamner because it makes him look like an idiot as he has to kind of just sit here and tell everybody to wait over and over and over again. Yeah. Because he's waiting for Buatu 
to free up a passageway for them to launch their stealth axes without starting a war with the Galactic Alliance. Mm -hmm. There's no way for them to leave and go help Luke without being attacked by the GA on the way out. And thus, they're waiting for the man in the coma. Anyway, want to guess what this master meeting is all about? We want our frozen children back now! Yes. Pretty much. That's what the meeting is about. And how come we're not doing anything? Yeah, and there's good arguments on both sides, sort of. Uh, We can't let them keep Jedi as hostages. True. Like, for no good reason. We've already proven to her that they might be sane. So why are you keeping them? That can't happen. Uh, On the other side, we also can't be killing Galactic Alliance soldiers who would be at that facility guarding them. Also true. So, what do you do? Well, you wait for Han and Leia to burst in the room. (laughs) Because... They do, even though they've been told repeatedly to stay out of the council chambers when we're having master meetings. Leia walks in and tells Kanth Hamner, talk to the hand. <laughs> yeah. She pretty much like just walks right over him and past him and through his uh, comments to stop. Yeah, and Han turns on the TV. Walks in with the hollow news on a TV because the very important planet we were told about so much in the last book, Laudu Sextus, is on the news. With its semi-sentient horse people revolting against their semi-slavery. With Dalla's Mandos arriving in the background ready to slaughter everybody. Yep. Another newer outrage for the Master's conversation. And all of this slave revolt has been incited by an outside force. These horse people would never have the cognitive capacity to even understand that they don't have as much freedom as they could have yeah and they choose to leave their home planet to go into slavery like that's a choice it's, for that's them. what i mean by semi-slavery right i guess we should explain that yeah it's like their planet is it spins fast so you gotta keep moving or else you get killed by bad weather yep and if you agree to be taken to another planet to work for these I don't know, higher sentient beings? Yeah, the the Blaudus. Then, then you live longer. The Blaudu Octus, the Octusi. No, these are the Octusi. These are the Octusians, the yeah. Sextusi. Yeah. So it's like, they normally on their planet, they live for 20 years. Right. If they come and be in slavery, which is kind of quasi-slavery. For they, quasi-sentience, yes. as Silgal calls them. They live to be 80, and they enjoy their lives. They get to have their free time. They... Yeah, it's essentially they're given a job. Yeah. Not forced into slavery, but at the same time, it's more of a parasitic relationship than a mutually beneficial yeah. one, right? There is one side benefiting way more mm-hmm. off of all of this labor than the laborers. And so... You know, the Jedi Masters are like, it's not really slavery, is it? But damn, it's not really cool. So we got to do something about this. We can't let Dalla send Mandos all over the blah, 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 right? But what even happened with these horse people? Well, it was freedom flight because Maudie Vant is there. She must be getting tipped off and everybody starts eyeing the Barakt. <laughs> yeah, I, new, I, I uh, hate Jedi her Master. Name. I hate her name. I know, right? I it's don't like all cool those consonants. to write and type out as a science fiction writer. But then it's like, I can't even read that sound, man. I can't, never mind, make the sound with my mouth. I can't imagine it in my head. Yeah. Because I I actually was looking at the end of it. I'm like, okay, so 
The end of the name is A-T-K apostrophe L. Those are really the sounds that you need to make at the end of the name. The, the beginning of it is bara. Whatever. Yeah, that's easy enough. Attical. Attical. Because you have to like take a breath and a swallow before the L because there's an apostrophe there. And so like if it's like a like a Middle Eastern type of culture type of thing, then it's uh, how... It's, it's not, not sound I can make. It's, it's not, not even a sound I can imagine. <laughs> no. But everybody looks at her like, you must be the one telling all the slaves where to go because you used to be one. So why are you here? I don't know why you're here. I feel like you're going to die. I feel like maybe you're going to be a scapegoat. Why are you being introduced as a new master? Sounds know. scapegoaty. I don't know. Also, there was one part where Kent Hamner was like, man, I really wish I had somebody to talk to about this stuff, but I shouldn't lean on the new master because that would just be, you know, that's poor politics. And I was like, you didn't even think of poor dead-ass Connie Asari, who used to be his only <laughs> confidant, didn't even cross his mind. She just died two days ago. Yeah, it could go or however long it's been. It hasn't been long enough. But, you know, the thought crosses his mind of like, oh, I wish I had somebody to confide in. Not, oh, I sure do miss confiding in Connie Asari, yeah. the woman who gave her life at the top of the Jedi Temple steps. Anyways, back to the Jedi Order. Where, in an offhand comment, I think from Kip Durin or something, we're told that the Jedi Order is adding to the Jedi Code. Yeah. What I call the Jason Solo rule. Quote, there is no tomorrow. Only what we do or fail to do today. And thus... Quote finished, end quote. Mm -hmm. Thus, the ends can never justify the means. You need to evaluate your actions daily in a bubble. Yes. You have to check good or bad on each individual thing you do throughout the day without the caveat of but later good thing. Yeah. This is the Jason Solo rule being added to the Jedi Code. There is no tomorrow. Goodness is today or it's not. Yep. I just thought that was kind of neat. And it's really slipped in there in like an offhand like yeah, flippant comment. They just, they just, he Somebody says it. He thinks it to himself. Or yeah. Like, uh, it's either Kip or Kyle Katarn, one of those two. What's it's a K name. with the kids, Cornhorn maybe? <clears throat> it's, it's one of those K names. It's, it's Kip or Kyle. Yeah. And, and it's, it's Hamner that thinks to himself. That's one of the new tenants they're thinking about adding. Just that's the Jason good Solo one. rule right there, man. That's exactly what Hey, it I is. don't care how good you think the outcome is gonna be. What you're doing brainwashing your cousin, lighting Kashyyyk on fire, trying to arrest your parents who are galactic heroes. The the individual actions you're taking are bad and wrong. Mm-hmm. And Today is the only day there is. There is no tomorrow for you to prove to us all why it's worth it. Yeah, there keep, is only... Keep your mind in the present, like Yoda said. Right? Yeah. The Jason Solo rule, added to the Jedi Code. Measure your actions on their own merit, not based on the goal you hope to achieve in the end. I think that's just good advice, man. These Jedi know something. Yeah. Not usually Luke, but alright. This meeting, by <laughs> the way, is wild. Between yeah. arguing about the Horn Kids and Freedom Flight and missing Barabels, mm-hmm. trying to launch the Stealth Xs, Hamner's got a secret he won't tell anybody. 
Yeah, that was gonna do a- almost ends in a Jedi versus Jedi battle in the council chamber for the Grandmaster title. Yeah. Because Kent, nobody's listening to him. Mm-hmm. The masters are walking out of the room, going to disobey his wishes, essentially, and going to assault whatever facility Valen and Gisela Horn are in. Yeah. He's saying, no, don't. I have a reason why we just need to wait, which is waiting for Boatu to come out of his coma, which, by the way, that's a fucking hope and a prayer. <laughs> yeah. But maybe not with this medical technology. Anyways. He's asking everybody, trust me, trust me, just wait, just wait. All he's been saying all along is just wait, just wait. So everybody starts walking out of the room saying, no. He gets up and yells and puts his hand on his lightsaber hilt. And he says, I am the grandmaster. You either listen to me or you fucking kill me right now. Yeah. You want to do this the old way? Fine. And no, let's do it. And nobody else draws a lightsaber. No, he he looks at Saba, Saba first. Saba Seventeen, the are, one who was like the most antagonistic in the in and the always game. is because <laughs> because of her nature, right? And but, it it turns out they all look at Corin and they're like, yes, good what's point. he gonna do? Because it's his children yeah. at stake. That's and, what's at stake. It those are his kids hanging on the wall, man. So everybody, yeah, looks to him. Yeah. And he says, "No, we can wait. We're not ready for a that. A little yet. longer. Yeah, yeah, we're not ready to come to violence in the council chambers of the Jedi Temple yet. We're uh. close, but we're <laughs> not ready for that. That'd be a scene. Oh, that'd be something that'd be good to read. Man, <laughs> Chapter Seven: Tahiri's Trial, where Han and Leia are watching." Aramuth Boatu, older uncle to Komanek, and Tahiri's lawyer, asleep. He's napping. Asleep at the defense table. He seems incompetent. As an Imperial on the stand, lies her little ass off. Yeah. But the question is posed to us. Is he old and senile and overwhelmed, falling asleep for real? Or is it all part of his ploy and his act and he's not objecting to any of the lies that are being said? He's not calling out hearsay and he's not asking for anything to be stricken from the record, right? He's sleeping. And then Leia pokes him with the force and his head lolls over and he... (laughs) And he's still sleeping. And then the judge says, you're a witness. And he's still sleeping. (laughs) Yeah. But is he? Yeah. Is he really? Come on. And to hear he has to poke him. Is it... A drop. Because I... Listen, I don't care how old this guy is. I, f- I refuse to believe that we've been handed this oh, fancy dressing, cane swinging, southern talking, chicken frying. <laughs> like, you know, walk tall lawyer, badass, decorated man. And, you know, this is the time that he's falling apart. Yes, he's been retired, and yes, this is like, you know, his last case and whatever, but come on. This is obviously it's, a misdirection. No, yeah, I mean, it's something. In the text and in the subtext, like in the trial, this is a misdirection. He's not really asleep, and he's going to bring all those lies back later to crush the case. Yeah. Right? That's my assumption based on I don't know, a few hundred hours of watching Law and Order. Yeah, that or or 
he's going to make it look like his incompetence in the case. Uh, he's trying to win the case. Justification for a mistrial or something? Or something like that. Or The he, pity vote? Yeah, he would have won if he was more competent or some, anything to win the case. Either way, Tahiri is Concernicus. And yes. she's chatting with Han and Leia behind. And Han says, why don't we ask Lando's wife, Tendra, Tendra Calrissian, to find you a fancy lawyer? We'll find you a team of lawyers to just help this guy in the background. You know, they don't even have to come sit at the table. But really the subtext here, no, I keep saying subtext. What's really happening here? is that Han and Leia and Tahiri are connecting and staying connected. Mm-hmm. Now that the Jedi Temple isn't under siege anymore, they're back here. Yep. They don't have to hide as Jedi, right? And Leia um, has some thoughts of her own about this is the only this is this is the only connection I have to my my two dead sons. Like this <laughs> is the only thing that I yeah. have. And we ain't talking about tattooing. <laughs> yeah. One one loved him so much. And like, and the other one used that love, but it's the only connection I have that good connection. And like they, she was so close to both of them yeah. when they, when they died, mm-hmm. like they, she was both of their last best friends. Yeah. In a twisted number of ways. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. That was a really poignant thought from Leia. They, Tahiri is family to them. Yeah. And I don't know if maybe this is like one of the first explicit times that they're thinking that. But I think she even says family. Like yeah. in her recollection or in her comparison. Heavy, man. Yeah. That's why Jaina came. That time that the Anakin Solo lookalike walked in the room. <laughs> Screw That's that guy. Han and Leia have been coming. Yeah. You know? they, they they care for her and they care for the, the meaning and connection that she has to the family with the people that they love they want her to be better and be good and she la actually says she's not a a better person but she is stronger because of what's going on yeah and just sad scared scarred to hear it's hard not to feel pitiful for yeah like we've talked about before man she she never asked for any of this nope. you know she fell in love with anakin skywalker which led to a massive loss which led to uh the crack that jason pried the dark side into you know like we mm-hmm. talked about all the way back in the first book on Lumaya's asteroid yeah what is your the crack in your personality foundation and your emotional foundation what is that little crack that the dark side is going to seep into and pry open? Well, hers was the loss of the love of her life in a tremendous heroic fashion that saved the entire galaxy. And what kind of survivor's guilt comes with that? And yada, right? Yeah. On and on. And then for Jason to take that powerful connection and manipulate it and lever- leverage it against her to get her to become a pretty horrible person for a while... Yep. And all of it at the end to come back around to Han and Leia in her cell telling them that, hey, we got message from Anakin from beyond the grave and he loves you. 
Yeah. And like they're sitting here in the courtroom and do you need any help? And and she's willing. Yeah. She's willing. She knows she did something wrong. She's willing to take that. Yeah. If she if she has to, she's willing to take the repercussions and take the um there's a word i'm thinking of responsibility there's yes oh i did it the responsibility and take that responsibility for her actions but in a way also not because the defense is i did bad things but because i thought i was doing the right thing back to the jason solo jedi code uh amendment Mm. yeah you can't and I, I just think that's part of the theme of this whole series is that you have to look at the individual and the individual actions. You cannot paint with broad strokes or guess forward. Yeah. Vistara. Mm-hmm. You have to take her for who and what she is in the given moment. Because looking forward with her is dangerous. Yeah. Or because... <laughs> or because looking forward with her is impossible when you're 16 and obsessed with her. But, you know, it's a over the course of these books, it keeps popping up repeatedly of, yes, I did the wrong thing, but look at me right now. Yeah. You know, Vistara pretends to be poisoned and almost gets Luke killed. But then it's back to like buddy cops. Mm-hmm. Because what have you done for me lately? I still believe you can be saved. I believe, you know, it's the belief of of your ill-intended actions are from a misunderstanding of motivation. If you had a better understanding of the consequences of your actions or a better understanding of what they look like in the individual moment, yeah. maybe that would outweigh the later. Anyways. Mm -hmm. I'm rambling. The point being, I like that addendum to the Jason or to the Jedi code a lot. The Jason solo edition of yes, all these other things, but also don't lose sight of how evil the thing that you're doing is for the greater good. Yeah. And that's Tahiri's whole trial is, yeah, I did a bad thing, but I did it as ordered and we, we thought we were doing the right things. Right. Mm-hmm. But the question, I guess, that Tahiri's trial begs is how far can you stretch forgiveness? Yeah. How much can you be forgiven for? You know, with this imperial woman on the stand lying through her teeth because she hates that Tahiri killed her hero, yep. Admiral Pelion. How far does forgiveness stretch? And and to what degree and what capacity in different dimensions? Uh yeah, that's it's an it's an unanswerable nebulous sort of thing. Yeah, and it's a different different answer for every person. Exactly. It's it's very individual perspective oriented. What's yeah. that called? Personal? Not objective. Subjective. subjective. Yeah. Like it's about the subjects, math, language arts. Chapter eight. After a three hour standoff and finding the Jade Shadow empty of not Dion. Mm-hmm. Jedi and Sith are searching the jungle for Abeloth. And he has to admit it again because he does every book. Maybe a couple times every book. Luke sees what Ben likes about Vistara. She was a smart, beautiful young woman with an engaging personality. 
And Ben was an adolescent male still coming to terms with his hormones. Hey, guy. Ben is also smart. And beautiful. And also has a very engaging personality. Dad, just saying. (laughs) Has all these compliments for the Sith girl. And then he calls his child a raging pile of hormones. Uh, He's also interesting. (laughs) Yes. He's also a beautiful dude. Yeah. Anyways, I just thought I'd point that out. Support your boys the same way you would support a girl. Support your girls the same way you would support a boy. Grow up. All support is equal. Ship is back. And that's no big deal, I guess, because they just kind of gloss over that at first. He could be here for the Sith. He could be here for Abeloth. I don't know. Heck, he could be here for Ben. Nobody knows why Ship is here other than it's pretty banged up. It's banged up. And we're guessing it's recovered. And the... And Talon and Kai say, Gavar Kai, yes. say, no, we have them under control. Yeah, they think that Sith has come back to serve them. Luke and Ben and Vistara, yeah. Ben and Vistara being super familiar with ship, are under the impression that, wrong, mm-hmm. he's just healing and recovering, and Abeloth is hiding somewhere, waiting for him to be able to make an escape. They're like, it took way too long for him to get back here, and we crossed the ridge and back, and that took like three hours, and that she should have been here way before that. He's super damaged, right? Yeah. And somehow healing himself. I don't want to gloss over that. This yeah. is a living organism. Yes. A sentient, intelligent, living organism that's Made to be subjugated Mm -hmm. and made to be a helpful training tool. Slavery. (laughs) Jesus, dude. Whoa, that's a subtle note of it that's been hidden in the ear the whole time. (laughs) Yeah. Oh. You used used the word subjugated and and that's what went bing in my brain. Damn. As the Sith do, right? Yep. You don't have allies, as the last book would lead you to believe. <laughs> yeah. The title of it, anyways. You don't have allies. You have subjects. You are not a ruler. You are a conqueror. Excuse me. You are not a leader. You are a ruler. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, of course, they built a slave ship. Yep. Of course. He seems to be healing somehow. Luke even thinks to himself, I don't know how, but I know that when he came in here, his asshole was blown outward and (laughs) now it's curled and healed inward. You know, whatever Jaina shot up his exhaust port or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's the ship's butthole. Yeah. I don't know if you know that. (laughs) All right. So everybody, after they can't find Abeloth, does the smart thing and they decide to talk to ship. So Galvar Kai, of course, summons ship. Yeah. And here it comes. Just further, you know, reinforcing that false idea in his head. Mm-hmm. That he is in any sort of semblance of control. Yeah, he's got control. So funny. And he knows it. So funny. Quotation. Actually, before, uh, when ship comes over, they start interrogating ship. Where's Abloth? What are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And uh, ship says, you know where to find her, to Luke Skywalker, in his brain. Mm-hmm. Where? The pool of knowledge. Remember that? 
from three books ago. All yeah. the fancy name places that we went, where he stared into the pool and he was told he would know everything he would ever need to know and become the most powerful power that ever powered anything. Power time. Even more powerful than when you touched that magic metal pyramid or whatever the hell <laughs> yeah. that was back in the pile of junk with the Yang T in the second book. But Ship tells Luke, you know how to find her. And when he tells Luke that, Luke feels yep. the slithery tendril yeah, the of need. S- the dark snake slithery gross. <laughs> a little rodeo yep. crawl up inside of his body. Ship extends a ramp, and we all board to head to the pool of knowledge. Come on, I'll bring you. No worries. Luke tells the Sith, you know, yeah, sure, I've been there before, but it seemed like a bad thing, and uh, pretty sure Ship is not under your control. Pretty sure it's under Abelos control, but the ramp comes down, and everybody gets on the goddamn thing anyways, because what else are you going to do? Yeah, other than really, other than wander around aimlessly like they've been doing for however many hours. And the Sith aren't going to believe the Jedi because they're Jedi. And they already don't. They think Luke is hiding the body and doesn't want them to have it. And oh my God, they're so. They are so uh, draining. They're so annoying with their like pedantic refusal to believe anything that Luke Skywalker says. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, it's so, it's so guaranteed. Everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. Yeah. And I just, I think that's a statement on Sith culture. Right. Is just, is just, they distrust everyone. Yeah, for sure. Especially Jedi, right? Yeah. (laughs) And it's not like Luke trusts anything that they say any more than they trust him but Mm -hmm. you know he's not like being immature about it yeah out loud yeah he's i'm not believing you because but so wrong but so they don't believe luke luke tells them yeah this is what i know and then the ramp comes down and they all get on ship anyways yeah they 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 have to work together and i guess we head to the pool of knowledge in search of avaloth Zoom! 132 pages in two episodes. Will she be there? Will the Sith attack again? Will Aramuth wake up? Will Neck wake up? And where is Zek? Find out next week. When we cover Fate of the Jedi, Book 6, Vortex, Chapters 9, through 12. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. And I love ship. I hate slavery. <laughs> oh, now I sound bad. <laughs> For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.